at Sif Pop. We're your movie friends. But are friends really friends? If you don't know them. So grab a popcorn. And head over to our row. So we can chat movies. Like friends do. There's always room. For more movie friends. So sit back. Relax. And enjoy the show. Welcome. 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 To the writer's room. Hello and welcome to the Sifpop Writer's Room. My name is not Aaron. It is in fact Robert, and I am one of the two editors at Sifpop.com. If you haven't heard the announcements in previous week's episodes, I am going to be hosting uh, this episode once a month on the first Saturday of the month on this very podcast feed. Uh, we're not going to do any extra fluff like the... Not, not saying that Aaron does extra fluff that's useless. I'm just saying we're not going to do any extra fluff or segments on this. We're going to get right down to business, um, and I'll be joined by one or two guests to talk about the biggest movies of the previous month. Since this is January, we'll be talking about the movies of December. Um, specifically, we'll be talking about Avatar The Way of Water, Babylon, Empire of Light, Glass Onion, A Knives Out Mystery, Whitney Houston, I Want to Dance with Somebody, Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio, Puss in Boots, The Last Wish, Violent Night, The Whale, and one more that each of us want to mention for our inaugural Writer's Room Review Roundup. I got through that without stumbling over my words somehow. I'm here talking with Sif Pop writer Foster hey. and Sif Pop writer Nash. Hello, hello. These guys are longtime contributors and writers for the site. And like most of us, they like to watch a lot of movies. So that's why they're good uh, candidates to be on this first episode where we talk about a lot of movies. So let's get right into it. I've sorted these nine movies alphabetically, and we're going to rate each and every one of them on the classic Sif Pop scale of like it, love it, dislike it, hate it, or it was just okay. Um, since we are going alphabetically, let's start with Avatar. And Nash, on that scale, what did you think of Avatar The Way of Water? I liked it. I've grown I've grown into my liked it a little bit more since then, but I can now sit solidly and I like it. A tentative liked it from Nash and Foster. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really liked it. I'm not quite in the like love it, take me to Pandora territory, mm-hmm. but um, I, I liked it. And I liked it more than the first one, too. I was never a big big fan of the first one so i this is a step up for me personally nice yeah i'm also in just like i I liked it it was it was good better than the first one but i don't you know i'm not booking tickets to pandora like like you said what do we think what what made you guys like it instead of love it or instead of hate it uh i I mean i think the visuals are are pretty crazy um uh i I mean i think this is probably some of the best cgi i've ever seen um it's, it's just really amazing because you watch the movie and I, I can't even tell which things are real and which things aren't. Um, it, was a, it was a cool experience. I did IMAX 3D for this, so I don't know mm-hmm. how it would look like on a TV screen. But um, I mean, it's also probably the best use of 3D I've ever seen, too. It, it was pretty cool. Yeah, that's a good uh, point to bring up. Nash, how did you see it? Um, what kind of screen? Yeah, I saw it um, IMAX 3D as well. Yeah, which... I have a love-hate relationship with because as somebody who wears big glasses already, it kind of <laughs> skews it. But it was a it was an overall enjoyable experience. So yeah, in terms of the 3D IMAX aspect, right? I uh, was actually convinced by our Sif father Aaron Dicer to not see it in IMAX 3D because I had a theater near me showing it in high frame rate um, 3D. So I saw it in standard size high frame rate 3D. Um, did either of you guys get to see the HFR? Nope, I did. Yeah, because you saw it at Lincoln. Didn't um, I did. Nice. Um, <laughs> the HFR was kind of hit or miss for me. Uh, I, I just wanted to hit on this because it was a fairly big topic coming into the movie. Um, there are some scenes that use it and some that don't. And it really stands out when it's not being used because what they they double the frame and it just seems 
<laughs> not smooth. It seems a little choppy. Um, and then it's a bit jarring to see like all of a sudden, hey, everything is flowing really, really smoothly and it looks really beautiful. Um, it, it seems like a criticism and it is in a way, but at the same time, I'd rather praise the high frame rate and how it looked and just like the characters running around Pandora. And it's like, hey, this looks really beautiful because like you, Foster, my main my main positive takeaway from me is that it looks really, really great. Um, even better than the first one, which I was one of the many people who hadn't seen it in 13 years. And when I went back and rewatched it, I was like, oh, this hasn't aged as well. It's still really good, but not not what I remembered. This one, is it, it looks great. I do wonder, I because I had a similar thought because I rewatched Avatar like the week leading up to it. I do mm-hmm. wonder, though, if we're going to have that same thought in another few years, if that's just the, the way this technology works. Because I I, I kind of had the thought that, yeah, some of the some of the a lot of the visuals are like breathtaking, um, but and I've said this to a few people and some people aren't on, on board with this, but I had just finished God of War like mm-hmm. a week and a half prior to watching it. And there was like some scenes where I was like, this looks like a video game cutscene on par with God of War, like where I think it's in the trailer. There's like a mech suit running up a ship or whatever. And sometimes it was almost distracting where I was like, this looks really good all the way back around to. I'm like noticing that it's CGI because it's so good and so fake that it looks, I don't know. It's this weird cyclical um, experience that I would, that I had watching the movie. And maybe that's also, we can get into this a little bit too, because it's three hours long. You just start, I just started noticing other things because it's like, wow, you're really in it for a long time. You're immersed in this experience for a really long time. And it can kind of, it's, it was like a draining experience too, which maybe is what kind of, pulls me back into the like it more than really liked it because I don't think it needed to be that long. Um, anyways, I kind of, that's like a multiple tangents. I just went on there, but well, I heard the, uh, the video game comment a lot going into it. And the one place that I really noticed it is when like in that last extended action sequence, um, I agree. there's like a boat that goes up against a rock and then like bounces off and it just looked like a rubber ball instead of a boat just from how like the physics of it that's that's when i was like all right this doesn't look quite as great but at the same time the skin of the navi and the avatars yeah looked just as real as the skin of the humans you know just like how the the light was reflecting off of them and the 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 wet like the their wet skin and all that kind of stuff not only like the skin texture of the navi but the way it's integrated with the human characters like there's a human mm-hmm. character yeah. named spider who is not really my favorite part of the movie honestly but uh yeah. like, like it's it's completely seamless how how he's interacting with the cg characters like I, i've never seen it so seamless it, it's kind of hard to see this the seams i guess i did feel the length to an extent I really enjoyed the middle section, like the hangout chill section when there was almost no conflict and they just kind of forgot about the the villain character who's just plotting revenge the whole time, I guess. Um, I just kind of like... turns into more of like a straight up like in- environmentalism. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which I was vibing with as well. Yeah. Yeah. I really liked that. It was just when the action sequence at the end kind of just kept going and going and it wasn't very uh, creative to me. It was just like... The creative part was the visuals of it, you know, the the advanced tech and not necessarily the the choreography and the, you know, so I'm, I'm trying not to spoil it, but I don't think this is a spoiler. Jake Sully and the villain, they fight each other and they end up underwater. And Jake Sully's been spending this whole movie learning how to live underwater. And this guy's never been underwater other than like a swimming pool, <laughs> you know, and I wish they had 
played that into the the fight somehow, but it's just like more punchy punchy, shooty shooty, and it was just like you could have been more creative with this choreography. Yeah, I, I think I like the last third more more than you. Um, in particular, the daytime stuff when it's all the ships and the whale and everything. Um, yeah. Like, there's just a few moments, especially with the. I, okay, I saw this at nine thirty in the morning, and it was still a packed theater because I was doing. I did it Saturday morning because it was the only one that had mm. decent seats where I wouldn't be like breaking my neck to see the screen. Um, right. And it, people were vocal, and there's there's one moment in particular um, involving a guy's arm. Is all how I'll put it mm. that that just really like you could feel everyone was like ooh ooh ooh, you know, like like right right as something was about to happen, then. I don't know. I I had a lot of fun with that with that whole sequence, um, and it's pretty satisfying too because um, I mean it 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 sort of devolves into like humans versus nature, you know, like with, with the whale in particular. And um, there's just some pretty satisfying moments that I feel like were built up to really nicely. So I, I liked the last third a lot. But I get what you're saying. You're talking about more the later stuff too. Once it gets to the nighttime, yeah, underwater. I I like it overall. It just kind of kept going for me. You know, it's like an hour of this three hour, 12 minute movie. Sure. You hate the movie. It's, it's obvious. Yeah. No. <laughs> Nash, did you have any thoughts on the ending fight sequence? Yeah. I mean, you guys have, I mean, you guys have kind of covered it. Like I like the same portion that Foster's talking about. Like I thought that mm-hmm. was an exciting element. I think it was something new that they brought to that, that brought to avatar, but then to circle back around, I completely agree with you. So it's just, I would just be reiterating, reiterating. Um, I will say if I can pivot a little bit, I think maybe, sure. The thing that really held me up the most was I think there's and I'll try to avoid spoilers here, too. I think there's one character in particular who is obviously a a pretty big character in the first movie and then supposedly in this one, too, that I really think who is my favorite character. Um, And I think they do a a disservice to them. And I think that kind of was maybe when I was walking out of the theater a little bit more of the bummer, too, because it feels like a lot of his energy Cameron's energy went into the tech side of things. And sometimes I felt like the story and the actual writing itself, like the dialogue between some of these characters were like, this feels kind of hokey. And I, you can compare it again to video game dialogue, even though I think video game dialogue has come a long way. I think, I think that was honestly just kind of a letdown because like I said, they were my favorite character in the first one. And then they were kind of just shunted aside a little bit and they just had a couple moments and they were just a little bit of a token character. So I think I just noticed more of those things. Um, I'm also, I need to say, I think I am probably more of an avatar hater than, than most people. Like I didn't love that first one as most, much as most people. So I went into it and I like James Cameron. I think he has this like kind of cowboy anti-hero thing in Hollywood where he's like middle finger to everybody. I'm going to do what I want, which is kind of cool, but it's also like you get a three-hour movie that doesn't need to be three-hour movies and <laughs> maybe needs to be edited a little bit and maybe another writer should come in and punch up the script. So yeah, I mean, that's kind of, that's kind of I'm word vomiting all my thoughts kind of on the movie. I yeah. overall had a really good time. And as I've sat on it, I've liked more of the, like, I like how he pushes his environmental message. And there's some interesting to dialogue you can have about like indigenous populations that I've grown to like. Um, but I think it was just kind of like the core structure of, a lot of the writing bothered me and yeah. So it's, it's funny starting with this movie and this is the one that I like, this is the biggest one of the, yeah. <laughs> so. We don't keep the people waiting here. Yeah. <laughs> I, I agree with a lot of that. I also felt the story was a little bit lacking, especially, uh, and I'd like to wrap up our avatar conversation. Um, but there, there was some stuff going on like with Jake bringing his family to this whole place, which 
essentially caused lots of death and destruction. And that is barely reckoned with at all. Mm-hmm. And when it is, it's just kind of hand-waved. And I'm just like, all right, fine. You're, you're trying to make a text showcase instead of a story. I and mean, that's fine. Mm-hmm. But it's just not going to really last too much for me. But at the same time, I did. Yeah. Um, any final thoughts for you, Foster? Yeah, I mean, I, I think the the writing, I guess it's for me separated into dialogue versus the actual character dynamics. And the mm-hmm. dialogue, I think... Um, can be hit or miss there's like some there's some really kind of corny lines and not in a fun way um for me throughout and then also uh the, the character dynamics on the other hand i actually i liked them more in this movie than i did in the last movie which is part of why i i liked this one a little bit more i felt like i had more to latch on to with the, the central family like some mm-hmm. of the stuff with the kids i felt like i was I was, I was more invested. Um, I mean, I'm not necessarily blown away by it. I feel like I've seen some people say like, this is like the deepest, most thematically resonant movie. Of the, I, I'm not, I'm not that far. Um, but yeah. I do kind of wonder, um, like there, there's a good amount left up in the air still in the, at the end of the movie in terms of um, like, there's gotta be some awkward dinner conversations between the, uh, the Sully household, you know, <laughs> once this movie's over. Um, and I'm wondering if after the next few Avatar movies, which are coming, the third one's already filmed. And so part of the fourth one is already filmed. Um, I'm wondering if it'll be more clear and maybe that it's really like a, a five movie arc, you know, and maybe it'll, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm kind of hopeful. Um, I mean, sure. James Cameron certainly is. He's, his, uh, he's been hyping up his own, his own screenplays <laughs> for the, mm-hmm. for those movies. I don't know if you've seen the, the, the comments he's made about them that he that he supposedly got from the studio exec people who read it but i don't know i won't lie it's a, it's a little bit exciting for me I, I i i have high hopes so we get it you're a fanboy who didn't think critically about the movie whatever um exactly yeah let, let's move on to babylon i will say my rating is somewhere teetering between high side of okay and low side of like it i really <laughs> i it's been like two weeks or whatever it's been since I first saw this movie. And I'm still not sure what I, what I thought of it overall. Uh, Foster, what about you? I think we're in the same place. Um, although I might, I might like or dislike different parts of the movie than you, but, um, okay. I'm low end of liked it. Um, but really it's not like, uh, this was a neutral experience. Rather it was, I love, love, love some scenes of this movie and really did not enjoy some other segments of the movie. Um, and so it's kind of leveling out in the middle for me. We're in the That's exact same place. Yeah. Go yeah, ahead. We're cool. <laughs> yeah. All th- it sounds like all three of us are in the exact same place. Like that. I, yeah. I, I was speaking to somebody about it. There is a sequence in the movie that I think is maybe one of my favorite sequences in any movie all year. Mm-hmm. Um, humor wise. And then there's just some like, what is going on? Like, this is insane. Like I, this is a deranged movie experience. And so I'm like in the okay kind of liked it camp as well is it the hello college scene with Mar- margot robbie doing hello college and oh the- yes it's that scene yes sound yes. yeah <laughs> yep me, yeah. me too <laughs> i that i i think i wrote it down i think i laughed harder my whole th- in my theater wasn't packed there was maybe 15 people i think we as a collective unit were laughing harder than i've laughed at anything in a movie theater in a long time I think it's pj Byrne, the like i think the assistant director yep. or whatever is so funny in that scene oh my god <laughs> I had just rewatched Wolf of Wall Street, and it's funny to see him in both of those movies just going off the deep, going off the deep end both times. Yeah. Um, mentioning crowd size, I do have to mention I was there with I think six other people total, and it's funny to be greeted by Margot Robbie and Diego Calvo saying like, 
thank you for watching our movie and with an energetic crowd and like the six of us look around at each other and just kind of like those are crazy oh. <laughs> yeah yeah but anyway that my my thing about babylon i think it works really well as a you know boogie nights or wolf of wall street imitation um not sure how well it works as its own thing because at the end it wants to say here's all this debauchery and uh almost evil in some ways but hey aren't movies great but i never really quite got the hey aren't movies great part of it so when only half of your entire message lands that's where i'm just like like if this was a if this movie was entirely a screw you to hollywood then i think i'd be at like four and a half five stars but it's trying to do like the uh the uh, cinema paradiso ending i'm just like you're you're not landing this for me at all so that's where my main problem's coming in. Because I like you, the Hello College scene was great. The opening is just like, hey, this is we're introducing you to this wildness. And that all works really well and it's pretty entertaining to watch, but I don't see the ultimate point of it. Yeah. I so I, I actually like the um so, so like if the movie is Hollywood is terrible, movies are amazing, that's kind of mm-hmm. like the message boiled down super simply. I actually right. like the movies are amazing stuff more than the Hollywood is mm-hmm. terrible stuff. And I think the reason that I gravitate towards the movies are amazing stuff in this movie is I just think, um, I feel like Damien Chazelle is really kind of a squeaky queen, sque- sorry, I can't tongue twister, squeaky clean director in terms of his style. So that the the Wolf of Wall Street stuff, like at the beginning with the party, never really felt genuine to me. It felt like kind of like a middle school kid going like, oh, isn't this gross look at these people having <laughs> sex and doing drugs and aren't you shocked and i was the whole time i'm thinking like eh, the elephant not really yeah yeah like it, did, it was just like i don't know that stuff didn't do anything for me um and i think it would have if it were a different director but like the the um like the hello college scene or the the scene that's on the silent movie lot when they're going around and you're seeing all the different this is like an hour into the movie when margot robbie and everyone's going around and we're seeing the different movies being filmed and margot robbie's doing single tear you know and then uh diego calvo runs and gets the camera to shoot the scene at the perfect sunset moment and then brad pitt and his co-star have the kiss and then the butterfly lands on the shoulder and everything to me those are the scenes that hit home the most um uh, and the, the feeling I get is just like, wow, aren't, aren't movies kind of a miracle? And so that's like my my favorite stuff from the movie, whereas the like debauched party scenes and stuff just I don't mm-hmm. know. It was on, honestly, I was a little bored during it because like I was just not as shocked as I feel like I was supposed to be because I've seen other movies, you know. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I will say uh, Margot Robbie, I think, is incredible. I think throughout this whole movie, I didn't particularly love spending time with her character necessarily but um she is amazing so i like spending time with with margot robbie <laughs> yeah she's great yeah it's uh, really interesting i'll oh, go ahead so just one thing it's really interesting oh, because yeah. i thought i thought about how um it felt like chazelle trying to do not only wolf of wall street but also kind of like once upon a time in hollywood and mm-hmm. margot robbie is somehow this like through line through all of them and i'm mm-hmm. like oh well, you you get really you're getting really caught up in these types of movies and i kind of feel for her because I don't it's a it's a role that she probably could get nominated for and she's not going to get nominated I have a lot of the same opinions as Foster yeah so my last thoughts on Babylon are that I think we'd be remiss if we didn't mention the Justin Hurwitz score uh it's genuinely one of my favorite of the entire year I yeah the movie as a whole may or may not have worked for me but I loved 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 the score the the uh I don't remember the characters names but the Margot Robbie Diego Calva their friendship slash love theme and then that that theme that plays over the wild trailer is just like, yeah, this is great. 
Um, and then the rest yep. was also- all, all around. I think technically it's a really well made movie. I mean, like I, I didn't love all of it necessarily, but it's it's really well shot, edited, sound is great, score is amazing. Um, the actors are all good. Um, it's just kind of like a too sprawling, I think. And it's like there's so many mm-hmm. little individual elements that I loved so much about this movie like the silent movie lot running around there or seeing how movies are made. And I'm like, I would rather just see a movie about that. Like, I feel like it's um maybe even a little bit too ambitious for me personally. So, but yeah, but like we were saying, some of my favorite scenes of the year, even with all of that. Cool. So let's move on to Empire of Light. Nash, did you, you didn't get to see uh, Empire of Light, did you? This is one, this is the one that I, the showtimes were not kind in my area. So I couldn't get, I couldn't get to see it. That's fine. I drove an hour and a half to see it. Anyway. Um, so Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> I already know what you thought of this movie, so I'm sorry. Also, Thankfully, I I know that there's a sequence that is almost very similar to the end of Babylon in it with Olivia yeah. Coleman, right? And yeah. I'm almost glad I didn't have I didn't have to see it twice. <laughs> yeah. Thankfully, where I went to see this is near some family, so I we were visiting family, and then I just popped out to see Empire of Light for a bit. So it's not like I drove just an hour and a half and had to sit with it on the, for ninety minutes on the way back. Uh, and all that's to say that I hated Empire of Light. Uh, Foster, what did you? Oh, I, 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 I'm wanting to say I hated it, but I'm just gonna say really didn't like it because okay. um, th- th- there's good things in it. Like the score is great; it's Trent Reznor, Atticus Ross, and then it looks amazing because it's Roger Deakins. And then there's some fine performances in here but the, I, I think the movie's a mess i thought it was pretty awful <laughs> yeah so <laughs> let's, me personally let's just go for a couple minutes and dunk on it and then move on okay. yeah i would um, love to hear why I would, yeah because it was one of my most anticipated of the year because of who's involved and right obviously. yeah so me too I, <laughs> I, I asked for the review for this one too because i was like i'm probably gonna really like this movie i was so bummed out R- robert why don't you start yeah, it's fine. I don't read negative, like super negative reviews from you very often, Foster. So it's fine. I know to... this is this is like the first Sif Pop one I did where I was just like, I think I gave it a three out of ten. Yeah, that's where, that's where I was also. Um, it doesn't know what it's trying to say. I love Sam, Men- or I don't love Sam Mendes. I like a lot of Sam Mendes movies a lot. Um, but I suspect that if I went back and watched American Beauty, then I might have a lower opinion of him because currently I like it a lot. But I know people who don't. Um, for understandable reasons, I I think the he doesn't know what he's trying to say. That's that's basically my problem with Empire of Light. He's talking about racism. He's talking about mental health. He's talking about uh, oh wow, ab- absent fathers. He's talking British about politics. British politics. Um, also, the how magic of cinema. <laughs> yes, but the beam none of, of them light, land, Robert. None the of them beam land. of light. It's magic. If you didn't but, know. So Nash, you you go thirty minutes of just like Olivia Coleman is having mental health breakdowns. Um, this oh, oh shoot, I don't remember the the actor's name. This this actor he's have he's being racismed against constantly. Um, <laughs> oh, but then it's like Michael Ward or Mikhail Ward. His name is spelled. Yeah. It's not Michael. It's something else. But yeah, thank you. So those two things are happening. But wait, Toby Jones is going to give us an impassioned speech about why movies are great. All right, that scene's done. Let's do racism and mental health again. But wait, Toby Jones loves movies and he's a projectionist. And wait, don't forget the movie takes place at a at a movie theater. But wait, racism and mental health again. But here's the here's the premiere of uh, of a uh, chariots of fire. Chariots of fire. You hear, you hear the oh, music no. in the background while there's a mental health breakdown going on. It's just like 
All right. And then and then Olivia Coleman is being sexually harassed by her boss. But that wait, too. there's a dying bird. Let's take 10 minutes and heal this dying bird. And it's a metaphor for something. I don't know <laughs> what probably Olivia Coleman somehow. Um, yeah, it's not. It's just so like I found it kind of baffling. Um, honestly, mm-hmm. I did not get what the point of this movie was. Um, it looks very pretty. That's all I'll say, because it's Roger yeah. Deakins and it's really like, but here's the thing. It does not match the tone of the movie at all. Like you're seeing these incredible images and then like the the story that's happening with those images just feels so out of place. And then you hear the Trent Reznor, Atticus Ross, like piano, you know, mm-hmm. like music to study to type score. <laughs> and it's so nice. And, and, and it's just like is not matching the emotion of the scene at all. Um, I don't know. So I... I agree with you. I think you're saying Deacons and the Attic and the Resner Ross score is kind of making you say you don't hate it. I'll say both of those or all three of those guys are doing great work. I still hate the movie. Yeah. <laughs> so Okay, sure. I, I did say in yeah. my brief letterbox review that it's one of my favorite scores of the year because it is. Those guys are great at music. But uh the rest of it, none of it works. Um Yeah, I'll, I'll say performances i think are pretty good for the most part olivia coleman is weird just because um it reads as being bonkers over the top at some moments Mm -hmm. but i i'm not blaming her i think she's like right at the top for me as far as actors go right now um i i think she's like a monster actor um uh and i think there's moments in this where she's very good and i think she's probably doing everything that's asked of her it's just that the the arc her character there's a moment halfway through it's at the chariots of fire premiere i won't say any more than that where there's a turn for her character completely comes out of left field for me um i i I did not feel like that's where the movie was leading us at all um but it's like even so i think if the movie were better i think we would all be saying her performance was amazing but because the movie is not good um it just does not it, it is not like a a great look for her, I think, in the movie, Um, because it's maybe like the only misstep she's had of the past few years, because she's been kind of on top of the world since The Favorite. Um, I think like Colin Firth is fine. I actually think Toby Jones's speech at the end, I think he does a really good job, even though the speech comes out of nowhere, because like we don't know anything about his character whatsoever. Um, And uh, if he was like um, making a thing for the Oscars or like, hey, Toby Jones, we want you to play a thing at the Oscars about how great the movies are. It would be awesome. But in the movie, it makes no sense. Yeah. Talk for talk for 30 seconds. I got to look up one guy's name because there's one guy I really liked in the movie, actually. Oh, I was going to say I I did my dumping on Empire of Light. I hated it. Um, Unfortunately, I also love Olivia Coleman. But instead of doing best acting here, I this is the first time I've ever seen her do the most acting. Um, so yeah, there's my very last thought. Okay, I found him. Tom Brooke, who's a British actor you've probably seen in a million different things. Um, like he has small parts in like The Crown, Game of Thrones, Sherlock, etc. I thought he was really good, actually. And I kind of wanted to see that movie that he was in because he's uh, one of the theater employees and he's got this fun kind of quirky British comedic energy. Um, like there's one look in particular. Uh, so the, the plot of the movie is Olivia Coleman is... Um, it's, I think the movie is supposed to be a romance <laughs> with, with uh, a new theater employee, um, played by Michael or Mikhail Ward, however you say his name. And, uh, there's a moment where they, Olivia Coleman and her new possible partner go upstairs and then they, they have a little romantic moment and then they come back down and Tom Brooks character, the funny British guy has this look that he gives when he slowly figures out that. Olivia Coleman and this guy are are into each other and it's just a really funny look to the camera that he gives I don't know if you remember this at all Robert but it really made me laugh and this was early on in the movie when I still had hope and 
I I don't know. I just enjoyed his performance. I'll say that. So one more positive. Otherwise, I remember I'm done. the plot point, but I don't remember the specific look. Um, yeah. So in short, Nash, save your time and don't go see or don't watch Empire of Light. Um, let's move on to Glass Onion and Knives Out Mystery. Uh, I high side of liked this. I really like this. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I I don't I don't understand the people. Well, I guess I can a little bit, but I don't think it's better than the first one, but I think it's still very, very good. I, I think I'm in the same place. I'm like on the border of like it and love it. I think um, like I like the first one a lot more than I like this one, but the experience of watching this one was almost as fun for me. Yeah, I just think um, I guess why I like the first one a little bit more. I think I just like that cast of characters better, um, like the the cast of characters beyond Daniel Craig and Janelle Monet, I feel like are just so not likable. Where, whereas um, in Knives Out, it's like Jamie Lee Curtis, Don Johnson, Tony Collette, even though they're not likable necessarily, they're really fun to watch. And like they make you laugh, you know, and stuff like that. Whereas, um, yeah, I mean, they make me laugh, of course, in Glass Onion, too. It's just like the, I, I enjoy I, my time just a little bit less. I t- totally agree with you. My thought was it felt like because Knives Out has a larger cast. There's more people involved. Like there's obviously the family member. Then you have Lakeith Stanfield and you have all these other people it felt like the cast was more integrated. They everybody had a role to play. Everybody had a thing. Everybody has a moment. Um, and in this movie, not all the characters feel like they even need to be there. Like they're kind of just like, oh, there's three yeah. of Edward Norton's friends, and you're kind of, you know, like I, I really like Kate Hudson in, and I think she's doing some of her best work in a really long time. But it's kind of like. Of his friend characters, she might be the only, I guess, Dave Bautista as well. Um, she might be the only one that really has any any kind of substance, it feels like. And, I, I, mm-hmm. and that bummed me out because part of the reason why I liked Knives Out so much, apart from the mystery and the comedy and everything, was that he was getting this large group of people together and wrangling big personalities. And it worked really, really well. And they all fit. And it didn't feel like everybody need like fit in this you know, the onion didn't come together, you know, <laughs> right. Going off the character thing. My problem is that I don't have to like characters. I, if I all watch a show, like sure. Succession is my favorite show and it's full of characters who I do not like any, any one of them. Um, but my problem is that none of these people in glass onion feel like real people. They all feel like caricatures. Whereas in knives out, they all, I didn't like any of them except for Marta and, uh, you know, the detectives, but they felt like real people. And that's kind of where the character humor comes from. Um, I didn't really enjoy, well, I really enjoyed watching or Glass Honey and I laughed a lot. I thought it was great uh, fun, but I don't know if the broad humor uh, and broad storytelling worked as much for the film to come together as much as it does in Knives Out. Yeah, even even with Benoit Blanc, it's he's a little more caricature than he is in the first movie. I didn't mind it too much. I, I mean, I think he's great. I I, I feel bad being, that we've been kind of negative because I actually really, really like this movie. Um, yeah. I, I'll, I'll transition into positives now. I think Daniel Craig is fantastic. I mean, I would, I would give him an Oscar nomination, honestly. I think he's so fun. And the fact that he's James Bond and he's doing this, it, ne- it never mm-hmm. stops making me smile. And the the outfits he wears in this movie are so ridiculous, and I love them. The, that that uh, little swimsuit he wears. <laughs> Every, mm-hmm. Everything about, about the costuming is perfect. It's not even something I normally notice in movies, but it was just, it was fun in this one. Um, I think Janelle Monet is really great, too. And I, I, th- I think actually a lot of the cast is great in this one. I think Edward Norton is, is really good. 
Um, it's funny. There's a lot of great lines. Like I bet like after a, a year or so of having this movie, um, there will be more lines that stand out upon mm-hmm. upon rewatch. Like like one that I've thought about a lot. Uh, Benoit Blanc has these little exclamations he does to himself. And my favorite one, he just says, oh, Halle Berry. <laughs> and I just, I just love it and and there's there's just stuff like that all throughout this movie also it's so well shot and edited um like ryan johnson is amazing the the character blocking like the way they're arranged in in the scene is so yeah. impressive because there's so many characters and it's just um he finds a way to make a potentially really boring image really cool just by the layout of the characters um and and the camera is really active and moves around a lot and i just love that i'm like the the cinematography is pretty important to me when i'm watching a movie and i just i I really love the way he 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 uses it um the the score i think is good there's a lot of fun little cameos too in this one quite a bit actually but uh there is a clip going around on twitter that was demonstrating the cinematography and how he effectively uses the camera uh, and it's the scene when this isn't, I don't know if you haven't seen the movie, it's a little bit of a spoiler. So I'll be more vague Blanc and someone are sitting on his balcony talking. Um, and the camera is kind of like panning around very slowly. And then an item is mentioned. And as soon as the item is mentioned, the camera pulls back and zooms out and you uh, can see that item. And just, it's just a really clever way of going about it. It's also fun. Like, um, yeah. I just, I, when I, when I watch his movies, any of them, but especially the, the, um, the knives out mysteries, which are really the Benoit Blanc mysteries, you just get the vibe that everyone is having so much fun, but especially Ryan Johnson, like, like you, every little camera whip or move, you just get the feeling that he's behind the camera thinking like, mm, this would be cool. Let's do this, you know? And I just love that. And I find it really, really infectious. Um, and I would watch a million of these. I, I mean, I just love him for, for bringing back murder mysteries because it's one of my favorite genres. And I feel like he does it in a cool, interesting, unique way. I feel like I'm living the every day that like that Twitter prompt of like, who would you want in the next Knives Out movie? And like every day I'm always thinking of new people who just like <laughs> random collections of people yeah. that I think Ryan Johnson could really ring some really great performances out of. Totally agree with all, all of what you say. I Like I... um we, we probably can move on. Um, I just want to uh, put a pin in it and say, um, Ryan Johnson, hire Matthew Lillard. I want Matthew Lillard in the next one. I stand by that and I keep saying it. <laughs> I think he can use a career revival and I think he'd be great. <laughs> what if he just uh, reconvened the, the cast of Scream, the original Scream, and, they just, and then did a murder mystery? I thought you were going to say Scooby-Doo. <laughs> when, <laughs> also when good, that sentence. <laughs> Either one. I, I, the last thing I, I do want to say is that I kind of ragged on it a little bit, but I really love the overall message um, that you can get so high on the smell of your own farts that the pursuit of wealth and power comes at the destruction of anything good and beautiful. And some people only want to achieve that beauty for what it would represent for them instead of for its inherent value. I thought it was, it was just really, really well done, um, even though I thought the characters were too broad. So yeah, let's move on. I, I have to be honest, in my alphabetical sorting of these, I didn't put this as Whitney Houston, colon, I want to dance with somebody. I just had it as I want to dance with somebody. Um, so that's why it's now instead of later. Unbelievable. Um, You're messing up on your first day. I'm, I'm messing up my first day. I'm never getting another promotion. I didn't like this movie. I didn't hate it, but I didn't <laughs> like it either. <laughs> what did you think, Foster? I, yeah, I really did not like this movie. Um, I, I, I feel like everyone who's who whose reviews I've seen say the same thing. It's like a Wikipedia entry. It just feels like a highlight reel of all the 
all the notable events in her life as her greatest hits plays in the background. So that's the movie. If that sounds fun to you, they do a fine job with like the, the recreation of the songs, even though it's really just Whitney Houston's audio. So like the people in my theater who are mostly older seems to be really, really into it. Um, but yeah, I'm just I'm just really, really, really bored of music biopics right now, um, especially because there's a lot of fun ones. Um, like the more music biopics I see, the better Rocket Man looks in my eyes, because that mm-hmm. one seems to be one of the, the few in the past few years that did something really different in terms of making it like an actual musical and Taron Edgerton actually doing the singing. Um, yeah, so I did not like this movie. Yeah, I mean, I think I could probably bounce between like a genuinely had a really terrible time um like i can uh, like, um or it was just like i i could trounce this movie for a really long time like I, i'm gonna say i hated it like i would say nobody should watch this movie because it because it's because it is that it's it's somebody it feels like somebody read a wikipedia page but then not even some sometimes not even accurately because i mean it's a biopic but there's things that are out of order. There's things that are completely cut out. There's things that are embellished. It's just absolutely nonsense. And it's trying to remind us that, okay, yeah, Whitney Houston was maybe the greatest vocalist of all time. Great. I don't need, like, give me a documentary if you want to tell me that. Don't yep. give me this. Like, and whenever I see a movie like this, where it, where it has this kind of new talent, like Naomi Aki, I think that's her name. I think she does a totally serviceable job with what she is supposed to be given. And I always hope, I'm like, man, I hope this doesn't, ruin your career because the movie is bad. Like the the movie is not constructed well at all, but you are pretty good. Like I can see you having a career. So I really hope that she's able to grow beyond it. It bounces around. Like there's, it feels like there's almost no linear structure at all. It just like goes from scene to scene, to scene, to scene, from song to song, to song. It's edited really poorly at times again. And I don't like saying this because I generally I don't have a problem with long movies if there's a pro- if there's a reason for it. But this sure. like I don't know. I've watched over 500 movies this year in a theater and at home, and I have never checked my clock as many times. Like <laughs> as in this movie, I was just like, oh my god, can we please get through this already? Can we please get through it already? I think that biopics in general, musical biopics or biopics in general, have actually there's been a few good ones. There's um, recently where people have felt like they're taking creative license. Like I, like I think of Spencer, which is not necessarily a biopic, but it's loosely a biopic or just not straight up this kind of same, the samey. And it's movies like this that ruin the biopic name. It's movies like this that make it so people say, I don't like biopics. They're all the same. And it's because of this stuff. Um, I just, because I like biopics a lot of the times. I'm a, I'm I'm the target audience a lot of the times. I want to like Rocket Man is an incredible example. That movie is so mm-hmm. good. He should have been nominated. He could have won. Like oh my god, I <laughs> this is the last movie I watched. Like I watched it last night, and it's just very fresh in my head of just the raw anger. Sorry. Okay, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> I actually saw this back to back with Babylon. It was quite the evening. Um, just six hours. I, <laughs> of just a lot i never take bathroom breaks at the theater because i if i have to go to the bathroom at home i can pause it and that's fine but i i didn't care walking out of this one i was like i gotta go i'm walking and like i was leisurely washing my hands and i was then all of a sudden i was like oh wait i gotta get back like i wasn't even like gotta go gotta go gotta go gotta get back i was just like this is so boring the main problem for me was that there's no conviction to it it's it's similar to bohemian rhapsody where they don't go far into what she was going through. So like 
quick quick they pause say, sure. quick quick pause same screenwriter same screenwriter yeah, yeah. for yep. those two movies yeah and you can tell Sorry, continue yep and here in in i want to dance with somebody they say she has a drug problem but all you see is like her glance at a pill bottle or something like that or uh you say that her life is being ruined but like then she goes swimming and it's, it's fine you know it's like there's a lot of tell <laughs> and not is her a, dad a lot the of villain? show like, I don't know. There's moments where the dad is the villain, and then all of a sudden she loves him again, and then I. <laughs> the I think this is the strongest reaction so so far besides Empire of Light. Um, I I really don't have much more to say. It's just like it's as boring as it could be. Biopics need to, like you were saying, either do something unique, like with Rocket Man, or focus on a certain moment. Like if you could even count Tick Tick Boom, it's like here's a moment in this person, this real person's life, mixed in with some. Uh, yes. well-performed music, but otherwise ju- I'm just tired of the Wikipedia biopics. I think that's what it boils down to. Yeah. And I was tired after yeah, I mean, Bohemian Rhapsody and I thought we were kind of done for a bit and uh, like, all right, audiences forgot that like at least Elvis has style. This one has no discernible style yeah. or even a message besides Whitney Houston was a good singer or the greatest singer. I'll, I'll say that like she, she's the voice, Robert. She's the voice. You, she's the voice. Yes. If you didn't know, um, yeah, I also respect the Aretha Franklin one came out, I think, a year or two ago. Oh, that's true. Same I skipped movie. that one. It's, because it's of the this. same movie. But here's the thing. Jennifer Hudson is really good and does her own singing at the very least. Mm. So, like, I can watch that movie and, like, like I even have, like, listened to a couple songs from that soundtrack, even though I didn't like the movie. But this one, it's, like, the whole time I'm watching, Naomi Aki is very good, I think. Um, and I've seen her in other stuff. And, like, it is it is a transformation. Like, I think she's very good. I I think slash hope she'll be fine after this. But um, uh, when she's singing the Whitney Houston songs, I'm just thinking I would rather I would get the same uh, better even uh, you would get a better reaction out of me just from watching Whitney Houston clips on YouTube. Like I don't need to watch this mm. movie where an actress lip syncs to Whitney Houston's voice. I am I am really this is I don't know if this is a hot take or not. I'm really tired of music biopics where the actor doesn't do the singing. I kind of feel like if you can't find someone who does does the singing maybe don't make it um like it's it's just not fun for me to watch rami malik lip sync to other people voicing freddie mercury or and then winning or naomi aki yeah yeah, yeah. i'm I, I do think he's good in that movie i'll just i i'm a i'm a I I'm, I'm a rami malik defender because i love You're mr robot and i think yeah i'm a, <laughs> i think i think sorry this is not the point <laughs> you're derailing this podcast robert but mr robot <laughs> is one of the best performances i've ever seen in my life particularly in season four he's absolutely ridiculous in it and so i will i will always defend rami malik a little bit but anyways i haven't seen mr robot and i don't have a problem with him as a as an actor as a person it's just the movie is bad and i know it's just i know i just it kills me inside a little bit when people (laughs) rag on him because it's truly like it's like it's like the the two performances for me are uh brian cranston and breaking bad and rami malik and mr robot it's like those are those are the two for me of the tv i've seen like the gold standard um anyways yeah, I'm just sick of the the lip syncing over the actual recordings. It's just not fun for me to watch. And then I, I see like the other people in the theater who, again, are typically older, like getting like, oh, wow, look at that voice. And it's like, yeah, it's Whitney Houston's voice. It's like, mm-hmm. listen to listen to her songs or, or go on YouTube and watch clips of her performing. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm sorry. I'm repeating myself a lot. I got to no, stop talking. It. That's all there is to say about this movie. That's all we got to say about that. Um, let's move on to Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. I I'll probably land lower than most people on this, but I still 
did did like it. I'm I'm just in. Yeah, I liked. Uh, Nash, what did you? Think? This is maybe the hardest one for me to land on because I had such a pleasant time with it, but I don't like the Pinocchio story very well. I don't. I like. I. Hmm. It's never really been a thing. Like, and, and there's so many of them. So I guess I'll say I high side have liked it. But a lot of the reasons why I liked it are just because I have so much love for Guillermo and it looks gorgeous. And I think there's some incredible voice acting talent in here. People who I would not have imagined in certain roles, uh, specifically, was it David Bradley? I would not have pictured him yeah. in that role and he's perfect. But I still don't love the Pinocchio story. It doesn't really capture me like I feel like a lot of people. So I, I also say high side I like it, almost love it. The one that I, the role that I did picture someone perfectly in was for Spazzatura. I was like, this is Kate Blanchett all the way. I, no one else could scream like her. So, uh, is that the name of the monkey? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Of course. I was like, it's gotta be, it it has to be her. I saw Tara. Yeah. I was like, she's got to scream as a monkey. Uh huh. She's she's clearly getting two Oscars this year. Yeah. Um, okay, so I same place as Nash. I I really really like this movie. Not quite loved it. Um, I I'm kind of in the same place with most Guillermo del Toro movies. I love him so much, and I love so many elements of his movies. I don't know if there's one that I've ever come out of that's like ten out of ten. This is a perfect experience for me. But I I mean I always think his movies look and sound beautiful. Um, there's always a lot of heart to them. And similar with what I was saying with Ryan Johnson, I actually placed them in a similar category in the yep. sense that um, they're directors. You can you can just feel the passion behind every movie they make. I love that. I love that. Um, and yeah, voice performances. David Bradley is incredible, I think. Um, I hear a lot of people shouting out Ewan McGregor more so than David Bradley. And that kind of baffles me because I think David Bradley is kind of pouring his heart out into this. And uh, he's an actor who's... Um, always been given the role of like the creepy weird little guy on the side like filch for example yeah. and it's he's like an ca- amazing actor yeah he's been yeah, ca- he was cast against type which is maybe what was so brilliant about it like he's mm-hmm. being given he's being a like he's a a legendary character actor every everybody like most people who watch anything would recognize him but it's just such a you don't you, Guillermo hasn't has an ability to put people in positions like he works with a lot of the same people, but then he also puts people in positions where they hadn't worked before and they're able to flex muscles that they had never done before. Like I think David Bradley sings in this movie. And I mean, it's not perfect, but it's so heartfelt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and yeah. it's just, I don't know. And that's just, so that's where I come to this point of Guillermo. Guillermo is such a great person for the industry in a big way that you say like Ryan Johnson is. I'm the same way as you is. I don't know if his movies are always for me. But that's fine. I don't need it. That's kind of where I am, too. Like, I love Guillermo as a person and as a personality within Hollywood. But, like, I watched Pan's Labyrinth, which might come across as sacrilege. And I'm just like, hey, that was very good. But also, I don't really want to have that experience again. And I also, to be honest, haven't seen a lot of his movies. But I see Pinocchio and I'm blown away by the stop motion. Because I'm always blown away by stop motion. Just to see it at this level for... It's like a two hour movie, too. And it's not like it's not like an 80 minute movie where they just kind of did as much as they could. And they're like, all right, good. This is two hours of really, really great stop motion. Stunning. Um, yeah. And that's kind of where my any sort of passion for the movie begins and ends. Like you, Nash, with the Pinocchio story. It's like, hey, this was fun. Uh, I wasn't expecting Jesus and Mussolini and poop and <laughs> fart jokes all in the same time. But here we go. Yeah. I, I, yeah. That's kind of where I am. <laughs> Guillermo got a little fascism in our Pinocchio yeah. story. But, you know. 
Did you did you catch that um, Mussolini was uh, voiced by Tom Kenny, the voice of SpongeBob? Yeah, I <laughs> yeah, that was fun. <laughs> yeah, I I think um, I like the story in this one a little bit more than you two. I think just from hearing you talk, but uh, I think it just I, I think the fascism Italy stuff. I, th- I think that uh, is an interesting choice. I, th- I mean, I think it's based on a book, like a like a. Uh, yeah. a book version that so i don't think guillermo necessarily should get the credit for all of this um all of the ideas at least um but it is interesting because you the it's about a, a a wooden boy who's you know wondering like how can i be a real boy but then of course set against the backdrop of fascism or whatever it's like how can you be a a real person yourself anyways when there are all these outside forces trying to change you or push you in one direction or the other so that i think it is pretty thought-provoking i don't know if it completely came together for me by the end of it, but I will say I've thought a lot about this movie since I saw it, um, which is, uh, I mean, more than I can say for just about any other like animated, supposedly kids movie, even though this isn't really a kids movie, um, which that's another thing yeah. I like about this movie is it's like a real movie. It's not trying to like, um, like, like one of the things Guillermo has said in interviews about this movie a lot is intentionally animating in mistakes, which is something that I guess is not really often done with stop motion just because of how time consuming it is to do every single little movement. But, you know, people stumbling, tripping, they'll reach for something and then miss and then they have to re-reach again, you know. Um, I think that stuff really is what uh, gives the movie a lot of flavor. And I really, really appreciate it. And like, I would I would watch this again. And I will also say this movie is a musical. Which I, I had yeah. heard that going in, so I was prepared. But um, I've heard some people say they don't like the music. I actually really like it. I've listened to a few of the songs, like just added them to my Spotify after the movie, and I've been listening to them the past few weeks. And I think they're really, really nice, pleasant songs. Um, and it doesn't sound like every other musical out there to me. This is absolutely worth watching. I'll just say, like even even if it's not a slam dunk for everybody in the world, it's. There's there's so much to appreciate. I completely agree. I think that there's a good cap on that. Let's move on to Puss in Boots: The Last Wish. <laughs> Nash, what did you think? Oh, oh no, I haven't. That's, that's the other. That's the other gotcha, one I wasn't gotcha. able. To, which I wish I saw that instead of Whitney. Even, but <laughs> you would have had a much more fun time. Yeah, uh, Foster. What did you think then? I'm gonna go love it. I kind of loved okay. this movie. I thought it was a blast. Um, I mean, it's not like the. It's not like a ten out of ten best movie of the year but it was just so fun mm-hmm. um i i mean everyone's talking about the animation is is cool it's different it's not the same sort of uh like really rounded smooth 3d animation that you see that looks very computer generated that that we have in every movie ever um so like i appreciate that that um they're doing something different with that and it really lands it looks awesome there's a there's a wolf character in particular that is one of the coolest things i've seen in a while it is like surprisingly gnarly it's like it feels like it's ripped out of a horror movie and you might hear me say that and think like come on this is puss in boots but no like the (laughs) it is legitimate he's got red eyes this huge snout with teeth and these like weapons and knives that he like drags along the floor it's so cool and i loved it because i i really enjoy horror movies so that kind of stuff is 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 fun for me (laughs) um and uh the voice actors are all fun the it's also just the humor is really great like i laughed a lot during this movie um of course i did this yesterday along with uh, I, I did a triple feature to, to knock off the ones that i hadn't seen so i did oh my gosh i want to dance with somebody violent night and then puss in boots so after the previous two even though we'll talk about violent night later i thought it was fine fun a little bit but uh this was a nice breath of fresh air for me so i might have even appreciated it a little bit more. i i did like Puss in Boots, The Last Wish. 
Um, I see a lot of people who are like pretty high on it. And I'm just like, yeah, yeah that was a good time. I like that movie, but I probably won't think of it too much, uh, to be honest. I'm going to wor- use your words against you, Foster. You said uh, Pinocchio is one of the rare animated movies that feels like a real movie. I will say that Puss in Boots also does feel like a real movie, um, mm-hmm. even though you can still feel, you know, you feel that it's for kids where you can't say that for Pinocchio. There, there are animated movies where it's just painful to watch. And this as an adult, and this was not one of them. Um, I like the voice cast a lot. I didn't know going in that, or I didn't know like a, a week before that Florence Pugh was going to be in. And I got excited because Florence Pugh plays Goldilocks. Um, so that's, that's a lot of fun. The biggest surprise that I was happy to hear was all of a sudden John Mulaney's voice. I love John Mulaney. Oh yeah. Um, and he's like the, the main antagonist and he's, he's just hamming it up and he's, he's so much fun. Overall, the story is pretty cliched. You know, it's not really anything new. It's just like, Hey, learn to value where you are in life. And that's, that's fine. It's good. Um, but Antonio Banderas, <laughs> Salma Hayek and Harvey Guillen, they, they sell it well enough. That's, that's about all I got got on that the animation's yeah. good it's fun yeah the the harvey guillen is that how you say his last name the yeah. guillermo from what we do in the shadows i mm-hmm. the whole half the movie i was like i know this voice what is this voice and i figured it out halfway through i was very pleased with myself he's he's got to be my favorite part of the whole movie i think um he's he's just like uh he plays this little dog who's just this beacon of positivity and he wants he wants uh he wants them to all be a team and we're gonna be team friendship and it's gonna be wonderful and it was just like it's the kind of character that if it were performed any differently would be really really annoying but i loved it so much and um i don't know i'm just uh, i'm kind of an optimist and i love i love optimism in movies and this just felt like a nice little uh beacon of positivity this whole movie and i really enjoyed it he's kind of got the same root as a character as guillermo too where it's just like all right guys we're gonna come Mm -hmm. together and we're gonna do this sure yeah yeah. and i mean he's my favorite character in what we do in the shadows oh yeah yeah me too well yeah after laszlo but Anyway, that's a whole different conversation. I love Laszlo. Yeah, any final thoughts? I'm, I'm good. I would just say, go see it. Because I actually don't know if I would have gotten around to this one if I weren't doing this podcast with you both. Because um, I was like, mm, I think I've seen the original. It was would have been like 10 years ago, the first Puss in Boots movie. I'm sure it'll be fun, blah, blah, blah. But I really, really enjoyed this. And you also don't need any other movies in the Shrek world to have seen this movie. It's very standalone. All right, yeah. let's move on to Violent Night. I'm Foster, I'm interested to hear what you have to say after your little preview. Oh, okay. I'm going to say like the like lowest end of liked it. Um okay. I think it is kind of dumb. Uh <laughs> but but it is very fun at parts. Um David Harbour is fun. It's just it's kind of it's it's exactly what I'm saying. It's like a like in the 5 or 6 out of 10 range, I feel like. It's basically die hard but not as good. Um and with John Leguizamo instead of Alan Rickman and with Drunk Santa instead of Bruce Willis. Um I don't know. I don't, I don't even have anything much to say about it. It's fun. It's very silly. I feel like it's exactly as it was advertised. It's the, it's the movie I thought it was going to be. Um, like I would not hate watching it again, but I'm not necessarily going to seek it out. Yeah. I mean, it's probably like, uh, it's okay. Uh, (laughs) like I, (laughs) I, I, I mean, it's kind of, it's, I was kind of reading through my thoughts on it because, and this is the nature of the movie. Like I saw it at the beginning of, I saw it at the beginning of the month, um, or right Mm -hmm. when it came out and I've almost forgotten a lot of it. It has a lot of like B movie elements, um, with a with David Harbour kind of really going for it, which I really appreciate. I like David Harbour in it. I think David Harbour knows what type of movie he's in. And in order for something like this to be pulled off, you need 
that to work and that works. Um, there's some ac action elements that I think are fun and creative. Um, but most, of, I kind of came out of it that most of the stuff outside of David Harbour and maybe John Leguizamo was kind of bad. <laughs> like I, like a lot of the, a lot of the family stuff is just was so like, I just, it just feels sometimes it felt like one of those like uh, straight to streaming um, retired action star movies, but you have a guy who's trying a little bit harder in the movie. So it kind of, it elevates it just a little bit um, because I think David Harbour is trying. I also had this brilliant thought. I have to get it out. Um, mm -hmm. It was funny because I watched the menu a couple weeks prior to this and John Leguizamo is in that. Yep. And I was like, John Leguizamo's character in the menu. This is the type of movie that character would be in because he's like some washed up actor. <laughs> That's true. And I'm like, this is the type of movie he would, that character would be in. Not saying John Leguizamo's washed up. I think he's having a career no. renaissance. But um, yeah, it's just, there's some fun elements. And then there's a lot of like, to use a kid phrase, it's mid as hell. <laughs> really. <laughs> yeah. I, I, apparently I'm going to come down higher than both of you on this because I, I'm not going to say high side of liked it, but I definitely liked it. You loved it. I, I love it was my number one of the it's year. It's your favorite of the year. My new After Christmas go-to. colon, I want to dance with somebody. Exactly. So I completely agree with just like most of the family in the acting is terrible. Even Fran from Knives Out. Um, I don't remember the actress's name. I think she's also on Wretched Gemstones. Oh, I didn't even realize that was her. You just unlocked something for me. Um, yeah, I have to say she's terrible. And so is everyone else besides <laughs> David Harbour uh, and the little girl. Because... But I think David Harbour and the little girl, their relationship works really, really well. Like I get Elf. It's like a, a mix of Elf and Die Hard at its best um, because the action is great. It's really entertaining. And Home Alone, like with how it's creative, like in the shed uh, sequence. But I, I really, really bought their relationship and um, Santa learning to believe in Christmas again. It's just like. I, I thought this was going to be the cringiest thing I ever saw. I thought drunk, cursing, violent Santa was going to be the cringiest, stupidest Ryan Reynolds-ish thing I'd ever seen. But uh, it wasn't that David Harbour brings good emotion to it. And I appreciated and enjoyed it a lot more than I was expecting. Um, so if you, if you can stomach some incredibly bad acting and writing for like anything that doesn't involve David Harbour and this little girl, then I think the highs of that stuff... Uh, was enough. So let's move on to probably the most divisive movie on this list. Um, maybe not among us, but divisive, at least on Twitter and in general, general reception. And that's the whale, which I have to say, probably low side of love. Um, I, I realized watching this, that I'm a capital A capital G Aronofsky guy. Um, I didn't think I was going into it, uh, but I watched the wrestler for the first time, like literally right before I left to go to see this. And I was like, Hey, that was really good. And then I went to see this and I was like, Hey, that was really good. Aronofsky. He's not subtle. He wears his heart on his sleeve and, but it just, it just works. And I think part of that is that he gets really good performances out of his actors. Um, whether it's Mickey Rourke, whether it's uh, Brendan Fraser or Natalie Portman, which is basically like in black Swan. It's like, that's the biggest, it's obvious what this is about. But it just works so well for me. I think these movies feeling like film school projects is almost aspirational <laughs> in a in a somewhat condescending way. But it's like, hey, I had a good time. 
the, the emotional manipulation worked on me. Nash, what did you think? You've been having some reactions to what I'm saying. I, I think Aronofsky continues his streak of being the most like, okay, I've seen your movie. I'm never going to watch it again, director of all time. Um, <laughs> like, I, like, I don't know. Because uh, I was actually going through his filmography and I've seen almost every single one of his movies and I really do not care to ever see another one of them again. Um, maybe The Wrestler. But I don't even know how to I don't know how to even put a label of whether I liked it, love it or whatever. Like mm-hmm. I love I think Brendan Fraser is doing a great job in this movie. I think I am super happy for him in the acclaim. I am super happy he's going to be nominated and he might even win an, uh, an Oscar. Do I wish it may have been in a different movie? I think so. But I actually think it's Hong Chow, who I think is my favorite part about the movie, to the point where I was like, okay, I'm I'm in it now because I love these two and their dynamic and their relationship. But I just, I struggle with a lot of it. Um, I think maybe I have an aspect of like, I have some like personal stuff that I have wrapped up in it in terms of, personal life and how it impacted and like some stuff, but as depictions of certain things, I just, I guess I'll say I liked it to put it in the center because I really liked, I really love aspects of it. And I really like really deeply made me like my soul hurt. Um, and not in like a good movie way, but in like a, why did you have to do this Darren um, way? Um, so that's kind of where I'm at. I'm sorry if that's kind of wishy-washy, but I, no. I struggled with it yesterday. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I loved it. <laughs> it's it's, uh, it's I'm sorry. It's one it's one of my favorites of the year. I huh? I totally get why some people are not liking it. So like yeah, this is too. this is one of those cases where like I see the some of the negative comments about the movie and I'm like, yep, all of that's true. Um, I get it. Um, like I think some some of the things I've heard people say, it's very it is very emotionally manipulative. Uh, the metaphors are often very surface level. It's um, it's uh, I don't know. It's 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 depictions of like his obesity are are very over the top. Um, and there, there's like in particular, there's like a binge eating episode that I've heard a lot of people reference, and it's like, yeah, I I totally get it. I don't. I I just think that um, emotionally. I really, really, really deeply connected with Brendan Fraser's character, uh, largely because of his performance, but um, because of the, I think the core of the movie is actually surprisingly optimistic, um, where even within his, his um, he, he's trying to reconnect with his daughter throughout the movie. And of course, he's struggling with his weight and everything um, and has some some past traumatic stuff that we that we learn about throughout the movie. But through it all, the movie seems to be about um, finding uh, empathy for people in all sorts of situations and also a belief that um, like there's a line in the movie where he says to someone do you ever think that it's that that people are incapable of of not caring or something and and I don't know it's something I kind of actually believe too and I, I mm-hmm. it's pretty rare that I find a movie that just so perfectly encapsulates my own optimism about other people and about the world and I really liked I just really connected with his character um, I thought the ending was really great um, I'll be honest. The fir- I, I've, I've actually seen this movie twice. Uh, the first time I watched it, that ending puzzled me a little bit, and I was like, "Hmm." I, I, I felt like moved by the music and everything. I think the score is really beautiful, especially in that last scene, and by the just the nature of the scene, I guess. But um, it wasn't until the second viewing where I like really started to piece together everything that the, the that the ending was saying. I don't know. I just really liked this movie. I also love small, self-contained character drama type movies where it's just a bunch of people talking in a room. And that's all this movie is. The whole thing pretty much takes place in this house um, or this apartment, whatever it is. 
And I liked all the performances. Uh, Hong Chao, I think, is incredible. I think she's awesome and should really be in more stuff. Um, and uh, I really liked Sadie Sink's performance too. I know she's kind of going for it, and it's—I I don't think I see you smiling, Robert. I don't think you—you you completely loved that performance as much as I did. But um, the character itself is really, really kind of over the top mean at points. But um, yeah. I still thought she was really good. The Sadie Sink thing for me is that like at the end it kind of works because of what it's ultimately saying, where it's just like, hey, everyone can be extreme sometimes, but uh, let's like you were saying, let's find the at center, let's find the people being incapable of not caring. But at the same time, I think it was both the writing and the, and the performing of it. Where, All right, we get it. Yeah. She's not nice. <laughs> like there's, yeah. it's pretty much my main. It's really negative. it is over the top. Yeah, you were gonna say Ty Simpkins. He's also. I think I, I can't remember him other than what Jurassic World and Iron Man three um, and the nice guys Insidious. Oh, that's right. um, oh, he was in a lot of stuff when he was a kid. Um, this is like the first time I've seen him when he's like kind of grown up a little bit, which is in, he's um, really good. I think he's and good. You don't often get Christian characters like that portrayed in a sympathetic light. Um, it's normally just like, hey, let's make fun of the goofy Christian. Um, and I'm not a Christian, but I kind of appreciated the compassion it had for people of all walks of life, even the type of people that would normally be looked down upon outright in a, in a movie like this. And Aronofsky is obviously well-versed in biblical image from Noah and uh, Mother. Mm-hmm. But it's kind of surprising to see how hopeful it was compared to like that or Requiem for a Dream or Black Swan. Or I don't think he's ever had this outright hopeful of a movie um and it kind of worked for me yeah i will say i think in the play he's a mormon so i I remember i did the review for this one too and i said he was a mormon but now when i watched it a second time i was like oh no they actually don't say what he is um i think they intentionally i i I was reading up on this movie i think they intentionally left it unnamed like um just to not i guess throw any one group under the bus (laughs) or anything like that with his character but um yeah i agree with you i do find this movie very optimistic and i've seen a lot of um takes that feel really pessimistic about it and i think that's less a reflection of the movie than it is of our culture um which like i, I was reading an interview with darren aronofsky where he said something about it's, it's like a dramatic interview but he was like there's such a deep-rooted cynicism in our culture that makes it hard to appreciate a message of optimism and i kind of agree with that because mm-hmm. um like the takes i was seeing were like <laughs> brendan fraser's character is deluding himself into into thinking positively about people like his daughter because he needs to because he's like on his last legs and might be dying soon because you know so he needs this it's not it's not it's not like he is truly correct about the world his daughter is simply evil and everyone is it's like i don't know i i guess this is i think it's kind of a litmus test of a movie because yeah um, i'm putting a lot of what i believe onto this movie um but yeah i do find it and his character pretty optimistic i'm not here laughing at the nash Oh, yeah, I'm not laughing at what Foster's saying. We're yeah. here on video, and I want to hear what Nash's reaction to this is. Yeah, go no, for it. T- no, it tear me apart. No, 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 no. You, you're, you're, you're. <laughs> it's one of those things that maybe of all the movies we've seen today, this is the one that has the most. Like your personal experience is gonna, or your personal beliefs are probably gonna project the most onto it. I don't disagree with you in terms of the in terms of the cynicism of culture and some of those reviews. I just. I think I might be one of the people you're talking about because and who he's talking about, because I don't feel like how he's presenting that message is all 
all the time, and especially in this case, a super healthy way to present that message or a super, mm. and I'm not saying it always has to be, but it's kind of buried underneath how it's presenting various walks of life. And I think that's maybe what bothered me the most and kind of, yeah, I, I, I like, it's, it's interesting to hear your, your personal perspective that you're projecting onto this movie and my personal perspective of like watching people in this situation or like just people experiencing optimism in different ways, because uh, like we can, we can, and we, I want to go back, back to actually Sadie sink. I would say she's probably the focal point of it. Right. Because she is this like evil character that's kind of being presented (laughs) through most of it. But like that optimism you're talking about, it just, maybe it's because she's how it's how she's written or how she's performing throughout the whole thing. It doesn't land for me. It does. She's like, and you can have, people who are just bad people in movies or you can have angsty teenage people in movies. I'm okay with that. I think it's just juxtaposed with this very clear imagery at the end. It just really did not sit well with me. I just was so deeply uncomfortable with what, what maybe they were trying to say. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I'm just, I'm, I'm not, I don't feel like I'm being ex- extraordinarily articulate because I had such an, I had such an uncomfortable experience. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, mm-hmm. I think I see where I, you're coming from because I totally respect it though. Like I totally yeah. respect where you're coming from because I see glimpses of it. I just, I wish maybe aspects of it were not. I see where you're coming from Nash, because like I said, the Sadie sink character is where I bumped heads with the movie the most. Um, I think the rest of it works so well. Like that's, I don't think the Sadie sink part works, but I do think the rest of it does. Yes. And I'm so okay. locked into the rest of it that I'm able to forgive the Sadie sink part, even though on a rewatch, I'll probably still be very frustrated and be like, you're it again, the way it's written and performed is just doesn't it's work just, for me. It's because you could, it's the core of the movie, right? Like obviously yeah. it's, a, it's Brendan Fraser's vehicle, but it's his relationship that like, he's trying to rekindle with his daughter. And like, that's where the message is. Now there's underlying, there's this, what you have with Ty Simpkins character and with Hong Chow. And like you say, I like a lot of that, like that dynamic between Hong Chow and Ty Simpkins, the dynamic between Ty Simpkins and Brendan Fraser. Like there's glimpses of that, the optimism and the forgiveness and the pain and the hurt. Like I was invested in those elements, but it was this huge element of his relationship with his daughter that did not connect with me. And I think that the I'll just okay, I'll just say I think that the ending doesn't feel earned for what we learn all the way up until and then right then the movie ends and it's just i'm like it's just this like hard shut off and i'm like okay well i don't it's telling me how i'm supposed to feel and i don't feel that maybe that's maybe where i'm at so and i apologize i'm not trying to say you're wrong or anything (laughs) no no (laughs) again this is like what you guys are saying where how we're each bringing our own experiences in because i i probably skew pretty close to you foster and how i try to look at the world at least uh optimistically and that i want to Look at it that way. Um, and even though um, the Sadie Sink character doesn't work for me, the daughter character, um, I've said this before, but I always appreciate and try to respect and enjoy a big swing when it's done earnestly. And I think this is done earnestly. I don't think Aronofsky is like, I don't think he's going to put his name out there on the line to, you know, potentially be called all these different types of phobics and all this kind of stuff. So that's where I think it kind of works. Um, and I also see how it cannot cannot work for someone. Yeah. Any last thoughts from you, Foster? Yeah. I think Nash and I have gone. Yeah, I just really can't disagree with any any criticisms of right. the movie because it's like 
even even as much as I connected with it, I feel like it is a little bit messy. I feel like the daughter character is really over the top. I'm not even sure if, if I feel like the ending is earned. I just know that I was I was on the movie's wavelength. Um, and I think for me, um, I when I'm watching movies just broadly outside of the whale, I really deeply connect with characters specifically. Um, and so I was just really enjoying the character drama here. And I really connected with the Brendan Fraser character. I don't know. That's a, that's all. That's all I could really say about it. I guess um, I will say like the the second watch. Um, the the daughter's a lot. I'll just, I'll just say <laughs> there's a scene when her mom comes and the mom calls her a terror, yeah. and I'm like, yep, that that's about sounds about right. Um, over the top but, is a good way like, to put it because she's the only one who's over the top. Everyone else is very naturalistic and sure. That's at a, least that's a how good I point took it. She she is more way more over the top than I feel like the other characters. But um, the second watch, I think I was less like taken aback. And I was more trying to look at her through Brendan Fraser's eyes. Hmm. And I was noticing like, you know, she's pretty funny in the movie. She's like her, her sense of humor is mean and really mean spirited. But like there's little, there's little elements in there where like, if you're looking at it through Brendan Fraser's eyes, you can be like, I see the stuff he's, there's, there's also a moment. Um, uh, I'll just say the haiku, which is a moment that I really liked. Um, that made me kind of smile before it kind of devolves into something else. But um, I don't know. I just I'm I'm I, I I'm repeating the same thing over and over again. I'm sorry, but I'm just I'm on I'm on Brendan Fraser's wavelength with this movie, and I really love his performance. And um, yeah, I just I guess I can't separate that from mm-hmm. my experience of them. So I guess that's all I have to say. Yeah. So there's the nine movies we decided to talk about from that are some of the biggest movies that came out in December 2022. We have I think three more for you. Um, we'll go one at a time and just say the last few that we wanted to shout out that weren't on this list of like the big ones to talk about. Um, Nash, did you have anything specific you wanted to shout out in terms of exclusively December releases? Yeah. Um, no, I'm going to say we're just going to have two. I think Foster and I might have the same one. So the one that that you, that we mentioned in the chat. Yeah. I just, uh, and I don't know if Foster wants to take the lead on it or if I, I can um, but it's you go ahead. Roll dolls, Matilda, the musical, or I think that's the title. Uh, yeah, <laughs> this is um, the year for like overly long title. <laughs> Whitney Houston, the, the, the Roll dolls, Matilda, the musical. I think uh, I think I had heard about it um, and had zero expectations and even zero de- really desire to see it because I think there has been at least one, maybe two other of these like Roll doll, like the witches. I think came out maybe two years ago. And that was bad. And I just, there was no expectations. And like, I was a kid who grew up in the late 90s and the early 2000s. And I love Danny DeVito's obvious uh, Matilda. Um, I have a warm spot in my heart. So I was like, wow, I don't really care. I don't need to see this. And it might be the biggest surprise of the year for me. Um, It's incredibly well acted. It's very funny. The dance numbers are jaw dropping. And, and I, I was just sitting there. I was like, these are eight, nine, 10, 11, 12 year olds doing some of the most advanced choreo like of a movie musical. Like I'm like, OK, I was thinking of, oh, I'm sure West Side Story or whatever is maybe technically more advanced. But I was blown away. Um, it's visually very rich. I think the young girl plays Matilda is pitch perfect. Um, Alicia Weir. Lashana Lynch is great as Miss Honey. I think Emma Thompson is trunchbull maybe goes a little bit over the top sometimes, but <laughs> it works um, for this kind of really rid- ridiculous type movie. I just for a movie I had zero expectations for. I 
within the first five minutes, I was like, oh, this is a bop. I'm dancing along to this music. <laughs> I'm like, I'm going for it. And there's, in terms of, if we, in music culture, it's like a no skip album. <laughs> like I would listen to the whole album all the way through. It's all great. So that's kind of uh, where I'll let Foster jump in. Yeah, this would be my same recommend for the for the month too. Um, okay, so I think I land in the exact same place as you. I just came at it from a different point and that I had really high expectations for this movie because oh. I like the musical so much already. Um, so I live in New York. So I, I saw this like oh, five okay. years ago on on Broadway, like a little after it had started. So it had already been on for like a year or something, but um, it was really great. Um, and the, seeing it, live was really cool and had some like real sort of show stopping moments, like probably the exact same ones that you find from the movie. Um, uh, so I was really looking forward to this. I watched it like the morning it came out, which um, I think was Christmas. <laughs> I, I, I was like, I just have to watch this movie. And I, I liked it a lot. I will say I can't help myself from comparing it to the music that I'm already so familiar with, like, cause I've listened to that album a lot. And there are some songs that are just not quite as good as they were on the Broadway album, particularly anytime where Emma Thompson has to sing. There's one song called The Smell of Rebellion, which is where she's like in the movie, she's in the mud and she's like conducting them like her gym class, basically. Um, that that was the single most show stopping moment of the whole show for me when I saw it live. And I've never forgotten the feeling I got from it. And that song is really good. And by the way, in the in the Broadway show, that character is played by a guy um, and there is a lot of humor that comes from it, but I think they chose not to do it because maybe it would be a little murky now. They were actually, originally Ray Fiennes was supposed to be this character for the movie. I Secretly, I kind of like would have loved to see that because I love Ray Fiennes, but um, I think she's really good acting wise, but the song did, just didn't land for me and so I couldn't help but be a little bit ugh, like what could have been, you know? Is she Pierce um, Brosnan and Mamma Mia bad? I haven't seen Mamma Mia, okay. so I can't. I, I, can't, I would say I can't no. Help you. Okay. I would say I no. think she's um, she's she's again, her performance is amazing. I think it's just like um, she's doing like a lot of talk singing um, and, or for me personally, like when I'm comparing it to what the, the song I already know. Anyways, yeah. I'm going way too long on this one specific song. Revolting Children, the song that they played at the end is just a bop. It's the best thing ever. The 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 choreography with the kids is ridiculous. It's amazing. It's um you leave this movie on such a high and and throughout the movie, there's a lot of great other songs too, but I don't think anything comes close to the, the elation. I feel like in the last few minutes, um, I think miss honey uh, is my standout. Lashana Lynch, I think is awesome in this movie. She is like such a little beacon of positivity. She's so pure. She's so wonderful. I loved her. Um, and yeah, I just, I really liked it. It's a, it's a colorful, crazy, zany mu- musical. The, the parents are played by, um, Stephen Graham and Andrea Riseborough, which was really weird and funny to see them play such nutty characters. It's fun to see them kind of let loose. Um, yeah, I feel like j- judging from like the reactions, I think I think if you have no expectations for this movie, I think you'd be surprised. I'm saying this broadly to everyone, not just you, Robert, but um, it's worth watching. It's very, very different, though, from the the Danny DeVito one. It's it's like you got to not compare the two, I think, because if you're really, really attached to the Danny DeVito one, it's like you're going to, I don't know, recipe for disappointment, I guess. Well, I haven't seen the Danny DeVito movie or the the stage play, so maybe I'll just watch this movie and have a great experience. Okay, so you didn't have a childhood is what you're saying. What? (laughs) Uh, I I spawned as a crisp Um, (laughs) 22-year-old. Anyway, I'm recommending... (laughs) 
cool. <laughs> uh, I'm recommending White Noise. I think I'm the one person who actually loved this. Um, everyone else whose reviews I've seen are either like, eh, or like, this is really good, except I don't really have uh, an except. I just thought this is really, really good. I loved it from beginning to end. I had my expectations checked, so maybe that was part of it, because when it premiered at whatever whatever festival it premiered at, there were a lot of uh, people be- being like, all right, don't expect the guy from Marriage Story making something else Marriage Story quality. Um, and I was like, ah, dang. But I, uh, yeah, like I said, I really, really love this. The ultimate message of, like, accept the dystopia that we're all and that we're all kind of fundamentally crappy people but we can still find beauty among the chaos in each other um that i I mentioned my worldview kind of lines up with the whale that's more in line with my worldview what white noise is saying um and i really really liked how it was communicated it is very wacky it is very out there but from the very beginning i was on its little quirky humor wavelength that quickly devolves into just like there's a airborne toxic event is <laughs> is how it's is how it's referred to in the movie and it's just like it's Bombback doing his Spielberg which I was not expecting um in a year where Spielberg made his movie about his life we had Jordan Peele doing his Spielberg we have now Bombback doing his Spielberg it was really well done but while it's him doing Spielberg you never lose sight of or never lose a sight of what it is um in its own voice um Adam Driver's great. Greta Gerwig is great. Don Cheadle is great. There are actually some very good kid and teen acting performances that I was surprised to really enjoy. Um, and it might have, uh, and it's important too because the because of what it's saying about kids and adults and the different ways that we see the world. Yeah, I was not expecting to to love this as much as I do, but after a rewatch or two, I might say it's my favorite uh, Noah Baumbach movie. And I've seen wow, no. most of them. Yeah. No. Ooh, I've stayed silent for too long. I <laughs> no no no, sorry. I, I, I wish I saw the same movie you did. I liked a lot of things about it. I think Adam Driver is amazing. What did you think of the end credits? Oh, it was great. And that's where it's like Yeah. It's it's played very fun and hopeful, but underneath it's very dark. So that I I love the end credits. Yeah, I think it's a great end credits. It's like honestly, even though I didn't love the movie, I think it's my favorite end credits of the year, and I don't even think it's close. I don't even have a number two in my head right now. Nash, did you see this? No, I'm probably gonna watch it today. Okay, so yeah, there's all these movies. <laughs> there's what eleven eleven movies. <laughs> a lot of them. Um, did wi- did women talking come out this month? Women talking is getting very frustrating to me <laughs> because i want okay. to see the movie titled women talking not because i'm frustrated <laughs> these with... women <laughs> need to stop talking sure robert um... <laughs> I, oh man i should never host the podcast again um yeah i i was looking for it all month i was ready to talk about it on this episode but i couldn't see it it kept getting pushed back it was initially supposed to come out beginning of december got pushed back and okay. i now i think the wide release isn't until january though i'm still not seeing anything uh, around me so I have no no clue. I'd like to see it, though. Um, sure. Nash and Foster, thank you guys so much for coming on to this first um, Sith Pop Writers Room Review Roundup. Um, where can we find you? And uh, if you would like to be found on the online space, Nash, is there anywhere you'd like to send people? Yeah, I mean, um, I do occasionally contribute to Sith Pop, so you can always find me there. Or I guess I will continue sending people to my Twitter if it exists. So I'm um, Nash underscore doll on Twitter and Letterboxd if you want to argue with me or if you want to agree with me or whatever. That's where or you can engage. With his baseball takes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> uh, Foster, what about you? Yeah, I mean, uh, also, obviously, this is the Sif Pop Writers Room podcast, so <laughs> we all write for this. But uh, even some of the ones that we've talked about today, I'm just looking at the list. We uh, Empire of Light and the Whale, both of those I have reviews up on the site for. Um, uh, really, Letterbox is the place to find me. Um, F-O-S-T-H-101. It's a crazy username that I picked when I was younger, and it's just <laughs> never left me. Um, yeah, but I'm a big Letterbox person, so come be friends with me there. Uh, and that's, that. yeah, you can find me on Sif Pop also. You can find full written reviews for each and every one of these movies on sifpop.com. Foster obviously did a couple of them. <laughs> HTTP colon slash slash <laughs> www. <laughs> uh, a couple other of our very fine writers did for the rest of them. Um, if you want to find me also on Twitter at underscore Rob's thoughts uh, at, and on Letterboxd at Robert's thoughts. Um, so yeah, thanks for hanging out with us and listening to our winded conversations about December 2022 films. Quick reminder that the Sif Pop Writers Room podcast is a part of the Studio DNA Network. You can check out other great shows at studiodna.media. If you're interested for writing for sifpop.com or if you want to get in, t- in contact with us, maybe send us a question to explore on future Writers Room episodes hosted by Aaron. Then e- email writersroom at sifpop.com. And please don't forget to leave us a review on iTunes if you're listening there. But until next time, until Aaron comes back on uh, Wednesday, we have to get back to the Writers Room.